The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Folks, thank you for joining us today on Truth and Love Radio. Uh, this is Sharam Hadian, and uh, we're grateful you're with us. Uh, I want to encourage you that uh, if you're listening from our website, um, please uh, check around. We've got lots of resources and, and new information, new DVDs, um, booklets, uh, and we're going to be soon coming out with some uh, more TV shows as well. Uh, also, uh, please subscribe to our email. Uh, if you are not on our email newsletter, you can go to our website again at tillproject.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We send that out about once a month, and it just gives you updated information about, um, number one, where I'm going to be speaking, where I'm going to be live in person, our speaking engagements. It also addresses uh, new content that comes out when we have new shows, new radio shows, new TV shows, and also new DVDs. Uh, I'm working on a presentation right now about why Christians biblically should support Israel, uh, and, and my background as a former Muslim and being from Iran and, you know, why do I support the Jewish people and their right to the land? Also on the newsletter, uh, we, we have our teaching from the church and, and lots of my sermons that are there as well. You can also go to our website at the church website at truthandlovechurch.com, uh, truthandlovechurch.com. And if you want to join us for our live stream from the church, it's Sunday nights at 5.30 Pacific, approximately, and you can get there from, again, the church website, truthandlovechurch.com. Go under the media tab, click on uh, either YouTube live stream or Facebook live stream, uh, YouTube live or Facebook live, and it'll, it'll take you to one of those two platforms where you can watch our live stream. Well, listen, we're going to jump back into our program talking about could social justice pastors help defeat Donald Trump in 2020? And I already told you that I believe the answer is yes. I believe that it's very possible after what happened with the Vote Common Good movement uh, in 2018 and how they were able to help flip the House of Representatives. I think it's very possible that um, they could help defeat Trump. And when I say they, who's the they? We're talking about the social justice pastors. We're talking about those who are working vehemently to come against evangelical support for for Trump, evangelical support for any conservatives or Republicans. And uh, I shared with you on the program last time about uh, this this so-called Christian group that uh, is warning against, quote, Christian nationalism. I I address that, uh, that um, Bible-believing Christians that I know that support our Constitution, our Republic, our freedoms, they're not Christian nationalists because we believe in national sovereignty, in borders, in in lawful immigration. We believe in uh, limited government. We believe that it is not the government's job to be able to take care of all the needs of society. It's the church's job. If there are homeless, if there are widows, if there are hurting, that's the job, that should be the responsibility of the church. Um, We don't believe in socialism. I don't believe in any ism as far as Islamism, socialism, Marxism. Communism. These are all uh, destructive and ultimately either anti-God or anti-spirit. Islam is an anti-Christ spirit. 
the global world government is an antichrist system. We should not be for open borders. We should not be for globalism. Yes, these things may happen and, and will happen according to scripture, I should say. But we shouldn't be for it. We shouldn't support it. But that's exactly what these social justice pastors are doing. These social justice leaders are doing. The likes of Jim Wallace, the likes of David Platt, Tim Keller, John Piper, uh, Doug Paget. That's what these individuals are doing. They're pushing Marxism, socialism. They've infiltrated the churches. They've infiltrated now the whole homeschool community. I mentioned to you on the program last time with Josh Harris, who his parents were one of the founding members of the homeschool community here in the United States. Really for the homeschool network, the, the, um, homeschool action network, I should say. Not, I mean, homeschool has been around for a long time, but the homeschool action network and the work they've done as far as, uh, working on legislation and, and, and lobbying for homeschooling rights. And so this is a devastating blow that Josh Harris has walked away, not only from his marriage, but from his faith, from, from, from claiming that he was a Christian. I think evidence would show that he was, you know, believing in a false gospel. But it is, it is, it is deeply concerning for, um, for young Christians. It's deeply concerning for uh, how they're going to vote. If these social justice warriors who are quote unquote pastors or church leaders had their way, folks, they would have the majority of young Christians voting Democrat and voting for unbiblical practices. I want to start uh, with a verse from Acts chapter 17 because I want to address this notion of Christian nationalism and the fact that if we as Bible-believing Christians in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we advocate for Christians to be engaged in civil authority, to vote, to pray, to run for office, to um, to demand and pray for leaders who will govern righteously according to the laws of God, according to the moral laws of God. You see, this these Christian hedonists, really that's what they are. They're they're secular humanists really now. These individuals would advocate for the social justice utopia that does not advocate for biblical morality. When they come out and say that we should support and have equality for LGBT, transgender, we should have freedom for Muslims. and Yes, Muslims, Mormons, they all have freedom to privately practice their belief system. But the moment that Muslims want to impose Sharia law in America, you better believe I'm going to speak against it. Because I saw, I saw it firsthand. I saw my birth country come under a Sharia governance that is now governed, has governed it for the last 40 years. So those things are antithetical. We're not being Christian nationalists. So, Lately, recently, when I was in Minnesota a few weeks ago, I was speaking, and I'll tell you later the story of the ELCA quote-unquote pastor that was trying to shut down the event. But there was this other guy that showed up who was trying to shut down uh, uh, the event. In fact, he was. what happened was that there were some folks there in Wilmer, Minnesota that had been showing some of my DVDs around the community to some churches. They had gotten some open doors from some... Uh, churches to show my, especially my DVD 
on the Trojan horse of interfaith dialogue. Really how the interfaith movement is working to sabotage this nation and the church, led by the Muslim Brotherhood. And I found out that this guy, um, I don't even really want to say his name because I don't want to give him any, cre- any credence. Those of you in Wilmer, if you're listening to this, you know who he is. Um, he works for a group called SALT. I'll say that. And SALT is this uh, group that uh, is supposed to be helping Somali Muslims to learn English. It stands for Somali uh, American, uh, uh, what is it, SALT? Uh, language Training. Somali American Language Training. And I got word that he had actually shut down one of the video showings. He had gone to this pastor of this church that was going to show our DVD, and he was able to convince this pastor, don't waste your time. This is not productive. It just promotes hate. And the pastor canceled the showing. So he has the audacity to show up at my event. And if I told this story, I apologize, but he had the audacity to show up at my event and... um and and want to talk to me. He comes up to talk to me afterwards, and I um, I initially asked him. I said, "Are you the same individual that tried to shut down my events?" And he goes, "Oh, what? No, no, me? No, no. What are you talking about?" And I said, "Well, didn't you go to Pastor So and So or Church So and So and tell him not to have our presentation?" Oh, yes, that was me. He says, "Yes, yes, I went to him and I told him." Don't waste your time. but And I'm like, so now you want to come and talk to me? Now you're coming and talking to me and you want to be able to tell me uh, and, and have me give you an audience? So I gave him, you know, so he, we went back and forth and I talked and he was just spewing, just, you know, it's about loving these Muslims. And I said, so you guys have been here for 16 years. Uh, the salt thing's been 16 years in Wilmer. How many Muslims have you seen come to Christ by you giving them, teaching them English? Helping them to, you know, get settled in because they also resettle refugees, uh, and, uh, get them jobs and all this stuff, which is also all just social gospel. They're not preaching the gospel. I said, are you preaching the gospel to them? Well, no, we don't want to offend them. And we just, you know, through our love and through the opportunity, I said, they're coming into it. I said, do they know that this salt thing is a Christian, quote unquote Christian? Yes. Yes. They, they know. I said, well, you know, you're not, uh, lying to them. Why are you not telling them what the gospel is? Telling them how they can be saved and they need to leave Islam and follow Jesus Christ. Well, you know, we don't want to be offensive. We don't want to lose their trust. You see? So I said, how many Muslims have you seen come to Christ in the 16 years? We'll we'll, we'll leave one in Wilmer. One? A total of one. Yet I know other ministries, other individuals in Minnesota, when I've done evangelism training in Minnesota, which I just did three weeks ago, who are going out boldly into Somali areas like Cedar Riverside and sharing the gospel and each time seeing somebody, a Muslim, come to Christ. They go out and they share their testimony. They go out and pray for them, lay hands on them, share the gospel. They're very bold. Power of God is upon them. And they're they're telling me testimony that they're seeing Muslims come to Christ. Yet these guys engaging in the social justice garbage are saw one, maybe one. And so... Anyway, about an hour of conversation with this guy, getting nowhere, really. And we end the conversation, go home. I gave this guy way too much time. Afterwards, I regretted the time that I gave him. So two nights later, I'm speaking at another church. He shows up. 
he shows up to deliver a letter to me that he just, you know, had to get his sort of lick in. Because by, by using reason and argument, I was able to just destroy his arguments. Not, not, not by, by me, but by the grace of God. And, and, and so he shows up with this letter, he gives his letter, and, and the letter, I read it later, from, from, you know, line two, just totally attacking me. How you're angry, how you're preaching hate, how you're this and that. And then one of the things he accused me of is, quote unquote, Christian nationalism. You're advocating for Christian nationalism. There you go, folks. First hand. And in combination with, because the, 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 the pastor of the church that had invited me ended up meeting, ended up meeting with this ELCA pastor, not, not this guy that I'm talking about with, but another, uh, quote on hireling. Remember I said, again, I'm not going to call them pastors. They are hirelings. So the hireling from this ELCA church, wanted to meet with the pastor, the godly pastor of the church there in Wilmer that was hosting me. And so I talked to the pastor ahead of time. We talked through some strategy. He ended up meeting with this ELCA hireling. And I told him, I said, ask him the question, do you believe Muslims and Christians worship the same God? He asked him that question. He said he wouldn't answer me. He kept hedging around it. How can any Christian not be able to answer that question? The answer should be a definitive no. Muslims and Christians do not worship the same God, but it tells you how, how, how corrupted they are. Then he asked them, can you share the gospel? What is the gospel? Define the gospel. And he said, all this hireling did was talk about social justice. We clothe them, we feed them, we help them get them jobs, we help them learn English, welfare, blah, blah, blah. But they never share the gospel because he himself, this hireling, could not articulate the gospel. It is these individuals that are working to destroy support of Trump and ultimately, I believe, support of our God who allowed Trump, who was allowing Trump for the benefit of giving our nation reprieve. And what is the, what is the argument of this other guy that argued me and gave me the letter? You're a Christian nationalist. And you know what? Here, here's the interesting thing. He actually tried to quote to me Acts chapter 17, verse 24 to 26 to prove his point. And I said, what? Have you read it? So let's read it together. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Now remember, this is Paul. So just to give context, Paul is standing before the Areopagus. The Areopagus and, and, and he's speaking to the men of Athens who, who have a altar to an unknown God. And so Paul is now going to reveal to them the character and the nature of the one true God. Do we have the context? So as he's, as he's, um, uh, Talking about, talking to them, he, he had found an inscription on an altar about to an unknown God, right? So he says, therefore, what you worship is something unknown, I now proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands. Verse 25. Uh, let me just make sure I have the right translation here. I'm going to go to... Um, sorry, one second. I'm going to go to the NASB here because I just want to make sure that we get the right translation. 
Okay, the God who made the world and all that is in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Now watch this. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. In the King James translation, the word there, just so you get to it here, give me one second, is this. That he determines the times of their appointment and the bounds of their habitation. So God sets the times and the seasons and the boundaries of the people upon the earth. Meaning God has set boundaries of nations. God is a God of nations, not just people. And our God has set forth those boundaries. This is the fundamental concept of understanding the sovereignty of God, that, that not every nation is the same. That's why uh, in the Bible, before the return of Christ, God is going to be dealing with certain individual nations who come against Israel. Not every nation is mentioned. It doesn't say all people, all humanity come against Israel. It says certain nations. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be teaching on the Gog-Magog battle. Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39. Why does God mention certain nations, certain people groups? Because God sets those boundaries. So if we as Christians stand for national boundaries, national sovereignty as God has appointed, do we believe that God, so see, this is what's so, just so incredibly hypocritical about the argument of these so-called Christian leaders that are saying we're, we are Christian nationalists. Because they'll say that, that, um, you know, uh, it, it is God who raises up leaders and deposes leaders. Okay. I agree. But it is also God who sets boundaries. So if we have a country, that country has laws, that country has boundaries. We as Christians should respect those laws and boundaries. We should be in submission to those boundaries. And in the Constitution, it lays out the responsibility of the federal government towards immigration, towards uh, uh, who can come in and who cannot come in. Uh, the, 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 the Constitution lays out the supremacy of the Constitution as far as the, the law of this land that we are under. Unless that, that those laws violate clearly the laws of Scripture, we are to obey them. In, and in obeying them, we obey God. So this is what is so ridiculous about their arguments. And the social justice warriors who are trying to defeat Trump and come against us, who are warning about these things, again, what are they advocating for? Reparations white against white privilege, racial reconciliation, uh, social justice reform. They They are advocating for more open borders, for more lenient immigration policies. These are the same social justice warriors that would say, like this guy did in Wilmer to me, who was the social justice warrior who claimed I'm a Christian nationalist. He was all in refugees. We should bring every refugee in because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would let in every refugee. Forget the, any boundary. Forget any vetting. They should all be welcome. And I said to him that the fact that we are being overrun by Muslims and overrun by their ideology and overrun by their, their false God is not a sign of blessing, as he was saying. 
it's a sign of judgment because God has opened the floodgates on a nation that has rebelled against him. We are under judgment, and therefore that's why we can't even protect our borders. We can't protect our boundaries. We're being overrun by foreigners. We're being overrun by their foreign God. This is a pattern that 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 Israel fell into in the Old Testament, and it is a pattern for every nation. And this is one of the fundamental understandings that Christians get wrong, that that the way that God deals with individuals as far as our salvation, as far as the gospel, as far as the grace of the cross, is different than God dealing with nations. Nations are still under the boundaries uh, that are that are there uh, that God has established from from Old Testament moral law, and as Paul is asserting here in Acts chapter seventeen, that God is sovereign over boundaries, appointed times, leaders, and nations, and so it is not unbiblical for me to say yes, we need to a wall. Yes, we need our immigration system to be legal. Yes, we, we, we cannot allow everybody into our country. Yes, we should not have lawlessness and people coming illegally. Yes, we should vet refugees. Those are all biblical concepts if I trust that God is sovereign and sovereign over our boundaries as a nation. And, by the way, it is also resisting the Antichrist spirit and the global one world coming government because the global one world government coming government and the Antichrist system is going to be a system that, uh, that wants to eliminate all borders and boundaries, bring us under all under one camp. That's the same thing that happened, folks, going back to the Old Testament, going back to what happened at Babel, the Tower of Babel, when, when, when humanity wanted to come under one, one language and one entity god divided them divided nations divided languages because so that they would not become knowledgeable and powerful to the point where they would they would usurp god's authority ultimately we know the antichrist is going to come to do that and god is going to defeat him amen so when we talk about the likes of 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 doug doug paget again remember the vote common good i talked to you about that on on one of our earlier shows right that these guys work to flip Congress, they're working to flip the presidency in 2020. Paget, who is this hireling, who is is telling Christians to vote for all Democrats, isn't that unbiblical? Isn't it unbiblical for me to tell a Christian to only vote for one political party and not vote for their conscience and look at individual candidates and what they stand for in regard to the Word of God? Isn't it unbiblical for me to, to 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 ask a Christian to vote for a a legal system that that um, supports killing babies even after birth? Infanticide. Isn't it unbiblical for me to 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 um, support a party that is vehemently working against the Jewish people, like Ilhan Omer and others that are? supporting BDS, the boycott, divest, divestment, and sanctions system, that is to boycott Israel, to boycott the Jewish people that are anti-Semitic. Isn't that unbiblical for me to be anti-Semitic when our Messiah is a Jewish Messiah? Isn't it unbiblical for me to be able to um, uh, support hatred of, uh, uh, of the Jewish people or even their right to be there? Because if we understand biblical prophecy, biblical scripture, and by the way, I just covered this in our in our sermon. Again, go to uh, truthandlovechurch.com media, and then archives. Look at the last couple of sermons that I did on the land covenant, specifically dealing with uh, uh, Israel and biblical prophecy. 
Isn't it unbiblical for me to believe that that land belongs to the Palestinians when there has never been a Palestinian land or nation? When, when, when I, when I look at and, and, and know that, that we are seeing modern day fulfillment of Ezekiel 37, 12 through 14, in my opinion, that Israel is coming back into their land. All of these social justice pastors that are voting, that are working against all these things that I just said to you, that they support, uh, uh, you know, LGBT affirmation. They support, um, pro-choice. Uh, they support the BDS movement. They, uh, support open borders. Uh, they support socialism, uh, reparations again. All of these things that they're supporting church are all things that are clearly against the word of God. And their method is to, to, to link it to the Bible or to the gospel. We have to be smarter than that. We have to be wiser than that. We have to look into it and we have to educate our children. These are the same social justice pastors again that are engaging in interfaith dialogue, that are engaging in ecumenicalism, syncretism. These are the same individuals who say we don't need the Ten Commandments. We don't need to look at the Old Testament. Many of them, not all maybe, but many of them. And finally, David Platt. Uh, Brandon and I covered this quite a bit on Worldview Weekend. What happened at McLean Bible Church when Trump visited and asked for prayer, remember? Platt's lukewarm prayer. And then he goes on June 2nd, 2019, basically issues an apology to his church saying that he found himself in a situation where he didn't have time to deliberate as if he had deliberated. Would he have said no to the president? Can you imagine if President Trump showed up at your church or my church and said, would you pray for me? It'd be one of the greatest honors that we'd have to pray for our president, the leaders of our nation as we're called to pray for them. Now, Platt did pray, but he treated Trump as a, as a heathen, as a pagan, assumed he wasn't saved. And then he goes on to say later here, I want to read this part to you again. He says, I wanted to share all of this with you in part because I know that some within our church for a variety of valid reasons are hurt that I made this decision. This weighs heavy on my heart. So why are you affirming those in your church who are hurt by praying for, for the president? Because of, you know why? It's because you've been spewing social justice, social justice, social justice from your pulpit, David. And now they're so, uh, they're such snowflakes that they see Trump and instead of following the scripture, they're upset that you prayed for the man. They're apparently not, you know, they're so woke and we're not. And then if that's not bad, his associate pastor goes on Facebook and berates, berates the congregation for, um, for quote, not caring about uh, gospel unity, racial reconciliation, and the least of these. He goes on to say, do better. He was upset that some were upset at Platt for apologizing to the hurt people. These are the social justice warriors who are hurting and are, are going to work against this president, are working against this president. And what's our solution? Our solution is to pray the Lord would wake up enough people to recognize not about Republican Democrat. It is about God's hand that President Trump, and I'll cover this in one of our upcoming shows that, uh, some of you may not know Trump's history to revivalist in Scotland. 
And so I believe the hand of God is upon our nation to give us time. And we have so-called evangelicals, Christian leaders, and, and really hirelings that are working to undermine that support, working not against you and me, but against God or Trump, but against God himself. So thank you for being with us on the program again. Sign up for the newsletter. Pray for us. Please donate if if you feel led to support this work. Help us get these messages out. God bless you. And we'll see you next time on the program. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.